welcome in to another episode of Turn the Corner, a Detroit Tigers podcast. I am Kieran Steckley. With me, as always, is a man who lives his life one high school musical movie at a time. He is Cody Stavenhagen. How you doing? Yikes. I don't know how I feel about that one. I was I was never into high school musical. That's one thing I was never into. Not not a big Zach guy? You know, not, not no, no. No, no Hudgens? No, uh... No, just wasn't just wasn't my thing, you know. Can't all be rocking out at the Jonas Brothers concert like you. I, I don't, they, I don't think they were in High School Musical, but they like might as well have been, you know. I feel like that's kind of the same lane right there. You're not wrong. And <laughs> uh, if I were to just walk out into my living room right now and play one of the songs from High School Musical, there would be some jamming going on by somebody who I live with. So you're not wrong. It's all kind of the same lane, and. Uh, the ultimate example of never graduate in whatever fashion is going to a Jonas Brothers concert. Let me tell you, uh, from ages 13 to 50, everybody acting the same, and that's uh, that's probably the number one number one line scouting report I can uh, I can tell you from going 35,000 strong, by the way. And wow. your boy, your boy got on the jumbotron. No big deal. Whoa. No big whoa. deal. Celeb. Jo- Joe, Joe Jonas was looking for a, a nice hot couple to make out on the kiss cam, and he pointed at your boy. Just saying. Whoa! All Just right. Saying. Okay. I'm, I'm big timing over there at Globe Life. I've been to wow. A, <laughs> I've been to a million sporting events in my life. Never gotten on the kiss cam. Go to one Jonas Brothers concert. Get on the kiss cam. So that's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so that that was the highlight highlight of my week. Highlights of the Tigers week. Not that much. Uh, a little, a little full disclosure. We're recording this on Saturday afternoon. I kind of thought, you know, it's Labor Day weekend. Let's give the folks a, like an extra day, an extra day to like, you know, a lot of people are probably traveling, going to the lakes and all that stuff. The Tigers aren't at home, right? So like, let's let's put it out for like the Sunday. If you got a Sunday gathering, just try something new. I'm doing a little AJ Hinch here, Cody. Let's let's just try it. See if it works. A little Sunday morning podcast. You know, and see see if the people like it. But uh, the on-the-field product, not that much to talk about, to be honest. But off the field, a lot of weird, I think is kind of the word I'm going to use a lot in this podcast. A lot of weird stuff. A, a, lot, a lot of weird stuff. Not unsurprising. No Cole Keith. No Justin Henry Malloy. But Andre Lipschitz and Miguel Diaz up in the show for the Tigers for the September 1 call-ups. I texted you like a couple days ago. I was like, hey, how do you want to handle this week or whatever? And you were like, well, we can just talk about how they're not going to call up Colt Keith and Justin Henry <laughs> Malloy. Spot that should on, occupy most of our time. <laughs> spot on right there, my man. Uh, so... The number one thing that, like, I took away, and again, we knew this was happening because Scott Harris had laid it out when Parker Meadows got called up, and then later on, I believe it was on 97.1, basically said, like, you know, we're, you know, we're going to make some moves that aren't going to be favorable on Tiger's Twitter, and I'm paraphrasing there, but he did use the the phrase Tiger's Twitter, which I appreciate. He did, he did. Uh, (laughs) 
So I called Scott, this... just get off Twitter, man. <laughs> You're not doing yourself any favors by reading the replies. X, formerly known as Twitter. Scott Harris doubled down, Cody. This was like a Scott Harris double down week uh, to bring yeah. up Lipschitz and, and, and Diaz and just maintain the fact that, like, we're not just going to call guys up. So I guess before we kind of get into, like, some broader stuff, your initial expected reaction to Lipschitz getting, and, and Diaz getting the call up in September 1st, whereas some other teams, like the Yankees, bring up Dominguez and, you know, like so, some high— by the way, shout out his first career home run. Uh, but, you know, some high-profile prospects. The Tigers opt not to do that. So some initial thoughts on that, I guess. Yeah, I feel like I want to I want to talk through this. Like I'm having trouble wrapping my head around it because I don't want to be that guy who's just clamoring to call up the prospects. I don't think that's ever ever really been my brand, right? But I just think that Justin Henry Malloy has been in AAA all season and he has an on-base percentage above 420 all year. He's been there all year. He's done well all year consistently. I know his defense is bad, all right? You don't have to explain that to me. First time I watched him take grounders at third base in spring training, I was like, oof, doesn't look like a third baseman, all right? So he's also played the outfield. Uh, He's played left. He's played right. I'm sure he's not great out there either. I don't know that another month in AAA is going to make him suddenly a better defender. Uh, You could argue, I don't know, get him up to the majors. Have him work with George Lombard, Garrett Jones, you know, be around some major league players. That'd probably benefit his defensive development as much, if not more, than doing these things in the minor leagues. Uh, this is a guy whose bat you want to be part of the future, part of next year's team. He's proven he can hit in AAA. I think there'd be benefit. Scott and AJ talk a lot about finishing off development at the major league level. Justin Henry Malloy seems like someone who has earned that right to me. Colt Keith, you know, thought about it. I can be a little more, like, a little more I get it because he just hasn't been in AAA quite as long. One of the things I heard this week, Scott Harris, you know, doesn't doesn't really want to repeat, you know, like Spencer Torkelson, who at the time everyone would have been livid if he wasn't promoted to the majors. But in hindsight, you could argue he was rushed. Torque only had 155 plate appearances in Toledo. He hit 229 in those plate appearances. Colt Keith, though, already has more plate appearances in Toledo than Spencer Torkelson had. He has 216, and he's hitting 302, and he has 10 home runs. So he's not ready, but Andre Lipschitz is ready. Andre Lipschitz, who has been in Toledo a little bit of last year and this year, but has a lower batting average than Colt Keith, a lower, you know, has 12 home runs in 104 games, whereas Colt Keith hit 10 homers in 48 games in Toledo. Uh, You could argue Andre Lipschitz has earned the right. He's done well. He controls the strike zone. Uh, He is probably a little bit better defensively than Colt Keith. But again, I just don't believe that Colt Keith is going to grow leaps and bounds as a defender because he spends September in Toledo. So I don't get it. And I don't really think it's a service time matter because there are now, I like it could be, but in an ideal world, I think you want both Keith and Malloy pushing to be on your opening day roster. And MLB now has incentives for putting prospects on your opening day roster. It could get you a draft pick. So service time manipulation isn't even as uh, widely like, advantageous so 
that's where I land. I don't, I don't understand why you wouldn't want these guys getting some reps in the major leagues right now. Am I wrong? What am I missing? So I don't think you're missing anything. I think that's actually probably the key point of this discussion is that there. normally I would say there's not like a right or wrong, but there is a wrong in the sense that the wrong move could hurt development. So I don't want to say there's no wrong answer, but I, I can't claim to tell you which the wrong answer is. But for Jayhen, I'm just generally speaking as a principle, I'm not really in favor of guys who have at least one major league tool in theory spending the whole year in triple a like start to finish like as a general principle like i i tend to think like if if you expected him to do x and throughout the entire summer he's done x and especially if you're a team in the position that the tigers are in then what then why not then why not? That's just kind of like a general thing that I tend to believe. You don't you don't see it very often. No, you don't. You, you don't, don't see and guys spend a whole year in AAA unless they're struggling, and he has not struggled at the plate. Or, or somebody that just generally speaking doesn't have a major league profile. Like you just have guys there right. or whatever. Right. right. So, so I tend to think like this is the time to kind of – get him to the major leagues. That's what I tend to believe. And I think the argument is shorter to keep him in AAA than Colt Keith. So outside of plate appearances in Toledo, in comparisons with the Spencer Torgelson conversation, like if Colt Keith is not your starting third baseman, and I guess there is an offseason that we might not, we don't really know exactly what the roster will look like. But just generally, as of now, you're looking at Colt Keith competing for a starting five-hole job, right, uh, in spring training next year. Yeah, Chipper Jones or Scott Rowland aren't walking through that door. No, you know, no they, unless there's some trade Brandon. that I can't even fathom right now. It's going to be Colt Keith or Matt Vierling probably playing third base for you. Exactly. So, therefore, there's another parallel with the Spencer Torkelson thing, whereas he was won a job slightly handed a job in spring training of that year without having any prior major league experience. So I know the plate appearances will be a little bit different. He was a college guy. Colt has come up, you know, after a prep career. I understand it's not exactly the same. But to me, if you're going to say, and again, like something that I tend to do is like, if you put something out there, that's always going to come into my mind with every action you do. And I'm talking about Scott Harris. So if you say, I'm going to earmark at bats for young players. And you have an opportunity to call up one to two. And I think one argument is stronger than the other, but they're both pretty dang strong. Guys to earmark at bats for, at this time, guys that you figure in no matter what happens the rest of the year you figure into your 2024 plans this is the time the earmark at bats so it's a little strange to me like to kind of balance those things out I, I i guess is the bottom line and again i see the argument for keeping them there like i see it i don't like it 
It's not the lean that I would have, but I see it. But I see it a lot less with Jay Hen and Colt Keith. You could just argue like, you know, look, he's let's just keep him stable or whatever. But if you're with the guys that they're trotting out there every day now, guys that we kind of have figured out at the major league level, it has me yearning for at least a Malloy, at least a Malloy. Because again, whole year AAA. There's not that much of an argument against, like, take up, call it Parker Meadows, but not Malloy. Are we basically having the same discussion? It kind of feels like the same discussion, except obviously Parker plays great defense, but it just in terms of the general principle of it, feels like the same discussion. And I don't like either or stuff when it comes to, like, evaluating players. That's just me, though. All right. Blind trivia question for you. Now, looking this up. How old is Andy Abanez? Andy Abanez is 26. Andy Abanez is 30. <laughs> 30 years old. He is getting at bats right now. He is a 283 on base percentage. He is a nice young man. He's he's had some, you know, a couple week or two spells where he's played well. But we're earmarking at bats for Andy Abanez and not Colt Keith or Justin Henry Malloy. I don't think Andy Bonias is going to be part of next year's team. If he is, that's not a good thing, okay? It's it's just not. Andy Bonias is 30 years old. He has 693 Major League plate, plate appearances. He has a 399 slugging percentage, a 296 one base percentage. He is a 4A player at best, and he's not part of the future, and he's getting at-bats in September in the infield when you have – two guys who are going to be starting, pushing for starting infield jobs next season who have raked in AAA. Why are they not getting this opportunity? I I, I guess, like, well, you know, I guess Scott's just trying to be cautious. He's trying to be ultra cautious and safe and not rush and not call up guys before they're ready. But I hope he has some data, something that we don't have access to that, backs up that point because I see two guys who are ready to start getting major league experience. Could I not argue that again, we're a little less than a year into Scott Harris having this job. Could I not argue that we have a conservative first year that this is like in character for like, that's not to say that yes. like he can't like expand like what his ethos is as the team changes and he can evolve like based on how the team changes. I'm not saying like this would be set in stone. It's a very conservative year. It was a relatively conservative offseason. It was kind of a filtering out some guys, some of whom are, you know, performing well. Willie Castro's doing his thing and we we've seen Jamer burn the uh, burn the Tigers a time or two. But it's been a rather conservative first year for Scott Harris, which was not unpredictable based on how like he kind of came in and things that he said. And this is just kind of like the natural flow of it. And this is not me even defending him. This is just me trying to ab- absorb yeah. like, how he's acting. You see what I'm saying? I, 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 because even yes, the trade deadline some... was relatively conservative, mm. even with the flop of the E-Rod situation, whatever happened there. No, I, I think it's important to take stock of we're, we're almost a year into the Scott Harris tenure. What have, what have we learned? What does it mean going forward? 
So if we get out of kind of the, the criticism, the why aren't the prospects here mode, you say, okay, seems like this is the new MO. We are going to be uber conservative with prospects. We are going to give them ample, ample time to develop. Certainly a case to be made that that is better than rushing guys through the system like you're the Angels or whatever. There's a case for that. You also have a young team that's building. I think anything that confuses me, like you said, like we heard about calculated risk. We heard about earmarking at bats for young players. And I don't know that we have seen a lot of either of those things unless you count, you know, just the the waiver claims as calculated risks, which like I, it's not really a risk because you don't really risk anything when you claim a guy on waivers. You're just taking a but shot. But the margins you know? is part of his MO too. So he's done that. The margins. Over over. The margins. So I, I, I do think we've seen some of the margin stuff. And, you know, in a couple cases, that's worked out a little bit. So this is what we know about Scott Harris. And I'm getting the idea that this coming off season probably going to be pretty conservative as well. And I'm actually more okay with that because the free agent class just sucks. Like it just does. You don't need to go out and get aggressive and sign a bad, bad contract. But I think that puts even more pressure on young guys like Colt Keith and Justin Henry Malloy. You need to be ready for next season. So they're not uh, thrown into the deep end on opening day. As I try to list in my mind, like reasons to like keep them in Toledo you better if you're the tigers have a lot of faith in your development staff and the guys that you have down in toledo the coaches and 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 personnel over there because because the bottom line is you have to they have to receive because again like i said they fit in the 2024 plants how that how big or whatever is to be determined but they fit in the 2024 they have to receive a almost close to the same level of coaching in order to prepare them for next year in Toledo as if they were in Detroit. You see what I'm saying? Like, they have to be as ready. So if this is like a vote of confidence for Toledo, cool. I mean, that's a good thing overall. Uh, that's, but That's good. But That's good. We also know the difference between major leagues and the minor leagues in the history of this game that we talk about and love. There's a difference. And I, this is me being a broken record, but I'm just... Like, Scott Harris is trying to build like an organization that players want to be a part of, right? He, he's trying to build an organization like the Michael Lorenzen thing where you come in, we coach you up, we support you, we get you better, and then after that, whatever happens, happens, team-wise, individual-wise. Like, I think part of that is also rewarding players who perform well at various levels of the minor leagues and rewarding them with promotions. I think that's part of having a healthy organization that players want to be a part of. Um, like, that's going to help your profile for international free agents. Right, that's gonna help. That's gonna help you with uh, with bringing guys in for you know in trades and all that stuff, or, or signing the Andy Abanezes of every year, the McKinstries of every year, uh, some of those guys that are kind of teetering or whatever. Like he's trying to build a healthy organization. I think part of that is rewarding guys that have deserved promotion, 
And the Lipschitz thing, like, I'll be honest. I feel a little bad for the guy because he's had a, he's had a, like, this is a success story. Lipschitz yeah, getting to he's, the major he's, league. he's kind of getting screwed because he's in this comparison with Keith and Malloy. Yeah. This Done some guy, nice things. He's earned, he's earned a shot. Yes. He's earned a shot. In the history of this podcast, which again is only a couple years old, he's been written off a time or two, by me at least. Yeah. I don't want to speak for you, but but he's uh, been he's never been... never been huge on him, honestly. So I'm gonna I'll sit here and I'll say it again. Like turn to shot. Hope he does well. I think the most likely scenario in his development is another fifth infielder. Seen a lot of those in the past couple of years. I think he's another. I mean, one. It's it, it's been a big year for Lipschitz because you know my wife put him on her top five at the beginning of the year and then he gets called to the major leagues. I'm not sure if, if it gets any better what, than that. What what does Alexis think of the beard, the Andre Lipschitz uh, beard? Has she seen she, this? She, she has not seen it yet. We, but we need a, her review. We, we 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 can get that. She also is quite fond of Carrie Carpenter, so he he had. A while ago, bumped Lipschitz off the list, so we'll see if this beard thing, you know, it changes that. Uh, but but this is a good developmental story, not necessarily for the organization, but for the player. And not that I want to take away from the actual act of getting called up to the major leagues and fulfilling a dream and and all that stuff. That's all great. But there's. It's not a it's not a lose lose, but it's also not a win loss thing for him because you don't got a lot of time, obviously, over the last month, and you're not guaranteed a role next year. And how often are you going to be getting in the game? We still don't really know. Like this is this is gonna are we just creating a second Ryan Kreidler? It is like kind of like my fear in terms of a guy that's like, uh, cool, I guess. You know, like, we like the guy overall, but, like, are we taking him seriously as, like, a, a member of the team's plan? I can't I can't definitively say yes, Cody. So, like, this Lipschitz thing is, it'll be, I will say it will be interesting to follow, but it's, but the weight of it is lesser than if Malloy and or Keith were, were would to have gotten called up. No, Absolutely. I guess a congratulations is also in order for Miguel Diaz, uh, a guy who has done nothing but pitch well. And I have no problem with, with Miguel Diaz being up in the big leagues. My argument there is he probably should have been up a long time ago because we've seen some pretty mad pitchers throw a lot of innings in the major leagues this year. Miguel Diaz, all he has really done is, is put in good work in the minors. Uh, ZRA actually ballooned a 5.05. <laughs> This year, as I say that, so, um, I don't know, a 40-man spot, you know, became available, and Diaz is getting his chance, you know, he's he's 28, he's uh, back in, or not back in, he's a, a middle relief type, well, good for him, good story, once again, yeah. right, but, unfortunately, nothing that people are getting jazzed up about, Scott knew the people were going to get jazzed about his, uh, his September call-up, so that's probably why he kind of got in front of it, um, Overall, so smart I don't move. know. Well, should yeah, do. no, no, smart. I think his communication skills with public lately have been good. Um, now you better be right. You know, let's see what happens next year. I guess if Keith and Malloy rake out of the gate next year, 
Scott can tout, it's because we didn't rush him. And I still don't know if I would believe that. I mean, even like that's kind of happening. Like, <laughs> but Parker Meadows is acclimated well to the majors because he wasn't rushed. Like, uh, would it really have been that much different if he were brought up a month ago? I just have a hard time believing that he's that much of a different player than he was like one month ago. It's not, it's not really how player development works, you know? If you could make strides and gains that quickly, then then guys would actually get rushed through the system all the time. So. Well, I know I know it's different, but uh, the uh, tales all the also, time. Also, we saw Ethan Malloy or like or like playing DH in Toledo still. So if the goal is for them to improve defensively, right. they should never DH. Somebody pointed that out, and I'm sorry, I don't remember off the top of my head. Uh, had tweeted at us. It's like, well, then don't have him at DH. And I think I said, yep. well, I don't really Great have it. Point. I don't really have an argument for you there. Fantastic uh, point. Like, and, and and you like, could argue bringing one up frees up more time for the other. I guess more so, more so if you brought up like Keith and Malloy could just have unabridged time at their base. But you know, just whichever, whichever. Sure. You know, like sure. the the whole D, the, that was I didn't. That was just one of the points that kind of I got lost there as I was going on. But the point i was gonna make too was like you know if your biggest concern is defense and you don't really have them playing defense then what are we doing uh so so yeah i think that is also worth mentioning uh but i was gonna say a tale is all the time in sports is the development versus whether just the dude can play or not you know what i mean like it's just like did Aaron Rodgers really need three years behind Brett Favre to become an all-time great quarterback? It probably helped, uh, but he no. probably was yeah. going to be great, you know, because Aaron Rodgers. Patrick given, Mahomes. Given he's going to be a Hall of Famer? Yeah, it would have been a Hall of Famer either way. Yeah. It's like Patrick Mahomes, he was great right away as soon as he started playing. He probably didn't need a whole year to sit. He probably didn't need a whole year. So, anywho, uh, as we kind of wrap up this portion of the podcast, Cody – some more weird stuff. We got more. Uh, we got more weird stuff to talk about. Jose Cesaro? Like, what's... Like, what's... What's what's this deal? This is strange. I don't know if I can recall, like, a... You know, it's not like breaking news because it's not like high-end profile news or whatever. But, like, you know, he's gonna be put on waivers or, you know, released or whatever. And then he's not... And then AJ Hinch has to say this quote that's like a confidential process got leaked to the public, which uh, I guess is like technically true, but it's also like, who cares? Like that's kind of the game. Like, Come on, <laughs> that's, that's Come on. how that's how this stuff works. By the way, um, it got out for a reason, FYI. Uh, and Spencer Turnbull, uh, I'm just gonna do this again. I don't know. I'm just hitting my thighs repeatedly. Like, I don't know. It is just, like, what, what the deal? So we got some weird stuff in the pitching department, so Diaz will get some opportunities. But what's what's going on with Cisnero? What's going on with Turnbull? Uh, and why? If there is a why. I wish I had I wish I wish had the great answer for you. One, Cisnero especially. Um, I didn't love AJ being a little bit snippy with his answers on Cisnero and, like, Cisnero never should have to sit there and answer questions about it. Well, like, I don't know. And why'd you guys put him on waivers? You know, if you mm-hmm. want him to stay and everything is hunky-dory, why'd you put him on waivers? 
And then I step back and it's like, you know what? I don't know why they put him on waivers. Was it as like a favor to him to see if he could catch on with a contender? That's like the closest I can get to a good option. But that seems kind of like, I don't know, silly. Was it to save money? Like, I, I, that would logically add up, except he doesn't make very much, so you're saving. Who cares about saving? Not money, a, right? a very small amount of money, uh, so I don't see that being the main motivation. If you wanted him off the team, you could just DFA him. Uh, he wasn't claimed because no one wanted him, so I guess that actually reinforces Scott Harris not moving him at the trade deadline because there wasn't much of a market for him. Although Cisnero did himself pretty much no favors over the past month with his performance. Mm -hmm. And so now he's just sitting here chilling, still in the roster, probably a little bit like, Oh, y'all, y'all was trying to get rid of me. And it was just all kind of for nothing. And I don't, I don't really understand it. Uh, Best I can come up with is you save, save a a, a nickel and a dime here and, and maybe give a veteran guy a chance to catch one with a contender. So, like, I guess that's fine. No so one, no say foul, that. Well, not weird. the money part. Not, weird. Not yes. the money part. No, say, yeah, say it. I, great point. Great point. We, say, we want, you know, like, we, we, we wanted this. Jose served this organization well. It's September. It's probably not part of the future here. We want, we, you know, we were hoping we could get him a chance to go pitch in the postseason. Say it. Say it. That Again, been nice. we're talking Instead, about things. You want to make your organization no look one, good? If you and I don't know. Average Joe fan is probably incredibly confused by this process. It's probably like, what's going on? Jose Cicero is probably like, what's going on? Yeah, and then, like, again, you put him in the situation to have to, like, talk to the media and, like, and based on just the quotes that I saw, it seemed like he handled it fine, you know, and all that stuff. He's He's fine with it. He's 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 a professional. professional, You know, credit to him. But this was a situation that got weird that did not in any way have to be weird this is a normal thing for a ball club to go through and we're having to spend five minutes on it for really no reason for no reason just a wash just weird spencer turnbull uh weird as ever now he's got a (laughs) cracked toenail that got him scratched from the start um i have no idea don't know what his toenail looks like. If it is cracked, I don't. I don't want to know what it looks like. I'm sure, that's like painful. Also, he has pitched poorly. Also, it's pretty clear that there is serious damage in in his relationship with the organization. Um, I'm kind of of the belief. Like, I think uh, I might have said this last week. I think the Tigers probably did do him a little dirty at the start of all this when they optioned him when he was hurt but I'm not sure Turnbull has done himself a ton of favors in the days since then. Bottom line, he hasn't pitched well. What happens next? Is he going to get non-tendered? I have no idea. You know, I, I, I don't know. I guess if he's really hurt and can't push off the rubber because of his toenail, then get him healthy and get him right. But, man, this situation just seems seems not good for Turnbull. Seems not good for the Tigers. Like someone's gonna have to uh, have to sort this out here, you know. And I think I, uh, yeah. I think it's in Spencer Turnbull's best interest to pitch and to make known he does want to stay here and does want to be with the Tigers. Because if he gets let go, like who knows what's next? You, you're no guarantee you're getting another major league deal. So 
I well, don't know. It, it's it, this is a classic example of I don't give a crap who's right, who's wrong. Right, but but yeah. you got to get it right. But you got it's yeah. got to be someone's got to get it. someone's got to get it right. I think there are some missteps by both sides here, but that does nothing for trying to move forward. For by the way, for Turnbull's career, because he's still got plenty of arms left, uh, plenty of innings left in an arm, I should say. And the Tigers, moving forward, need guys like Turnbull. Yeah. And Major League Baseball needs guys like Turnbull. There's a market for guys like Turnbull if he could get it right. So both sides are incentivized to just get it right. Whoever was wrong, whoever feels slighted, it, it, it's just one of those things that I, I feel like, just get it right. I don't care who's wrong, get it right. <sighs> okay. Uh, well, speaking of things that are weird, but a little bit more encouraging... Kind of, I guess. Yeah, I, don't I don't know about that. <laughs> Casey Mize threw another uh, live bullpen session. And it was 18 pitches. And it was cut short. Tell me if I'm speaking out of turn here. It was cut a little short. He had a little arm fatigue. But everything's good. It's a-okay. And... You know, it's all part of the process and one day at a time and back against the wall and, you know, whatever other cliches we want to throw out there. Uh, you saw it. You did also hear from Casey. There's a couple things I kind of wanted to get into here, but uh, you weren't at the last BP. You were at this one. Uh, what would you kind of make of seeing Casey Mize on the mound throw into, you know, guys in the batter's box and all that stuff? Uh, once again, weird is the best word I can think of to surmise this whole situation. Mize is out there on the mound. I thought he was looking pretty good. He talked a little bit about really working on his fastball, really using it up in the zone, you know, making sure it rides through the zone. He was kind of blowing some fastballs by hitters a little bit. You know, you could just see it was really playing up. Slider, it wasn't great, wasn't really commanding it well, but I was, you know, I was kind of encouraged with the little bit I saw. And he had thrown, I think, 15 pitches last time. And the Tigers said, all right, the goal is now to build volume. So he's up there and he's throwing and I'm, I'm tallying the pitches. And he gets to 17 or 18. And then he just kind of like walks in and they start looking at the iPad with the coaches. I, I If he like waved off the bullpen, he like did so very subtly. Because I, I think we all who were watching it were kind of like, what's going on? Like, Akil Badu seemed to be in the in the box, like, waiting for another pitch. But Mize didn't look frustrated. He didn't appear to be in pain. So it was strange. And then he did not talk immediately afterward. He was not in the clubhouse the whole time the media was allowed in there. It was a little strange. And then AJ didn't really say a lot that day other than, oh, you know, he's fatigued. Not, not, not too concerning. It's like, eh, are you sure about that? When Casey did talk, he kind of echoed that sentiment, said, hey, you know, if I were in Lakeland, you guys wouldn't even see this. Like, there are setbacks all the time, blah, 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 blah. Found it interesting he used the word setback, though. I don't mm -hmm. think that's ever really, like, a good thing. Um, so there's, you know, now he's going to rest, and he will be reevaluated re in a handful of days. Again, that's probably not totally unusual in a Tommy John rehab 
but it seems like right when Mize was getting close, there was a chance he could go on a rehab assignment. Something went wrong. Hopefully it's as simple as arm fatigue, and he's still strengthening the uh, the elbow and all that. But doesn't seem to bode well for the idea of Mize uh, rehabbing in the minors, let alone making a major league appearance this season. This might just uh, uh, knock both of those options out the window. And you just hope there's nothing, you know, no more major complication going on there. Keep in mind, Mize also had a back procedure in addition to his Tommy John. So, I mean, I don't think I'm like raising the alarms, but I'm also not like shrugging this off as no big deal. Um, there doesn't see, there's like no way in which this is like a good thing. Maybe it's a minor thing. Uh, like best case scenario, it's a minor setback. So a couple things. Uh, one, on the radio broadcast, you have to have Dan Dickerson and then Daniela Bruce kind of put the... And I don't in any way mean this as a critique or criticism. Just like this is just what they were doing. It's part of their job. Kind of putting a little bit of a spin zone on it. You know, being like, you know, this is part of the process and they brought it but I, I do want to talk the Lakeland versus Detroit thing here in a second but like you know gotta bring it they were trying to like over contextualize it I guess is a fair way to say it and again they're not doing anything wrong that's part of their job it's informative I appreciate it but reading between the lines like that's what they're doing and they had to repeat it like two or three times uh I understand not a critique at all so that, but it's just like kind of like a weird thing to kind of have to dial in for the broadcast, I think, just in general. Uh, two, I'm a big believer in things being something, not nothing, even if they're not a big deal. This was definitely not a no deal. I don't think it's a big deal, but it is something. It is something that didn't go... Exactly as you would draw it up, I think is a fair way to say that. But that's also part of injury rehab in general, especially when it comes to pitching arms and Tommy John surgery. So it's not alarming. We had, I mean, was it like late June, early July, maybe a little earlier? We kind of speculated. It's like, you know, things kind of seemed a little bit hunky-dory on the road. It's like, oh, we could see some Casey Mize. And as recently as a couple weeks ago, we had kind of said like, this would be a good thing. Like, you know, we, we, we spent the first half of this podcast talking about what would be a good thing for Colt Keith and Jayhan to be able to get, you know, major yeah. time. And we were, and it's kind of the same concept in my mind, at least of last week with Casey Mize and like, if he rehabs and he's healthy and everything checks out, give him some time. And I, fair, not fair. I don't know. But I'm just kind of like eliminating that from my mind just because it's no point kind of getting your hopes up for it when maybe that's just not in the cards. And it's fine if it's not in the cards. Overall, it's fine if he doesn't pitch this year. Like, But it's also worth noting, like, Casey Mize, I think, is a guy who's like, I think he's a smart guy. I think he's a smart baseball player. I think he also is smart with the way that he assesses himself and puts things out there he's been in the limelight a long time even before he was a professional him kind of putting certain things out there with like 
you know, y'all are just seeing this because it's in Detroit. That's obviously a new thing. I I wonder how he really feels about that. I wonder because this this is a Scott Harris directive, is it not, or is it a Casey Mize directive? Tell me, because I, I I'm under the impression it's a front office directive uh, to have these guys kind of like rehabbing not in Lakeland. Um, yeah, that's that's more of like a even an AJ Hinch thing. I think one of them around the team. So we're organiz, organizational. Organizational. Yeah. Okay, so. I wonder how he feels about that generally, especially out on a day like, you know, his his bullpen session. It's not his first one that people have been able to watch. And how do you feel about that? And I could argue, like, you're a professional athlete. You get people watching you all the time. Like, you know, you got to dial in either way. So, you know, if it's just a scrum of media and player and team personnel, like, should be able to get over that. But... It does bear the question, like, this is our first example of it with this new organizational directive. And I'm curious your thoughts about having, like, a small group of guys in Lakeland doing this or having your major league contingent kind of together taking a guy through the Tommy John rehab process. And especially with Casey Mize specifically, a guy who only got Tommy John five weeks, two months later than he could have because they were trying so hard to figure out like what this injury actually was. I think it was a forearm initially is what they called it, which yeah, you know, I, get, I get it's all part you know, of it. I understand. Really get at that, but had it not taken him two months to diagnose what was going on, he could be probably be back by now. Um, I mean, I think it's generally good having these guys around the team, right? I, I believe in that. You feel like you're part of the team. You feel like you're a ball player. If you're just in Lakeland, man, that stuff gets boring. That gets old. Um, I guess, you know, selfishly, I'm glad we have got to see Scooble and Mize and some of these other guys throw their, their bullpens and their live BPs at Comerica. If they want to make it a thing where the public isn't seeing it, you know, they, they could do it much earlier in the day. But they've done it, you know right around the time the clubhouse is open and the media is all arriving. And, and so really they've kind of displayed it. Um, there's a way to do it where the media doesn't see if that's, if that's what you want to do. But I don't think that really like the injury report still is going to come out and say, Oh, Casey Mize has been shut down and we're still going to ask about it. So like um, ultimately what the media sees or what the public thinks doesn't actually have any bearing on Casey Mize's rehab, you know, he has to answer questions about it. Yeah, true. Um, I also don't think that impacts his arm at all. So um, mm-hmm. I think it's all right. You know, I I think it's probably good for these guys to be in Detroit because let me tell you what, I spend spring training in Lakeland and it gets boring. I can't imagine spending uh, an off season or just a boring summer rehabbing in Lakeland. I can see how you would lose your mind. Well, not only that, but if you're an established guy and you've got relationships right. on the team. Like, you know, baseball's ninety percent physical and the other half mental or whatever. So like, you know, like it's it, like that. That's part of it too. You know, so I, I I do like the fact that he's still with the team. I think uh, two weeks ago, the uh, Tigers charity dinner gala or you know whatever saw that picture on social media of him and Riley and Torque and Zach Short and their respective significant others 
uh, it was cool to see. It was cool to see like him still being like part of the team. Like that's yeah. that's kind of the stuff that intangible wise makes me feel good about the direction of the guys in the clubhouse. Uh, another thing regarding Casey that was use this word again weird. So they talk about how he's gained weight. Or, and I say they. I mean Dan was talking about this on the radio. And anything Dan says, I'm taking like very seriously because a he knows a lot and b he knows more than he says so if he says something then there's something there's there's instant there's knowledge behind it he's not just spewing crap right he's he's too good he's too respected he knows too much he's like he's saying things for a reason he talked about casey mize gaining like what was it like 15 was it 20? I can't I, forget, I can't remember the exact number, but it was one of those general numbers when you talk about weight. Uh, pounds of strength. He didn't say pounds of muscle. He said pounds, of, and he actually did say, not pounds of muscle, pounds of strength. That's a pounds very of strength. Close, that's a very close to a direct quote. And so I was like, hmm. Now, roster numbers, height, weight are always kind of a joke. I think when I was in high school playing football, I was six foot and one sixty five. And I'm pretty sure I was listed at six two one eighty five. So we know <laughs> that these things don't really mean all that much. But for the record, at Auburn, Casey Mize was listed at two twenty. Now he's six foot three. He's listed at two twenty. The, if you just Google Casey Mize and you go to his MLB.com page, he's listed at 6'3", 212. So, those are the only parameters that I have because I've never seen him step on a scale. Does this mean that he's 240 or 235 or is he like 225 and all the other numbers are crap? Like, I don't know. But it, but but the fact that it was put out there that he's put on weight and look he's been training this whole time I'm not saying he's like let himself go or anything I'm sure he any weight he's put on is with purpose either from himself his team or the team uh, but putting it out there you gain 15 20 pounds of quote strength on a day that your arm got fatigued it just added to the weirdness Cody I don't know it just added to the weirdness. I don't know what adding 20 pounds of strength means. If it's not muscle, does that mean he's, like, bench pressing 20 pounds more? Like, that's all I can come up with here. <laughs> um, I don't know if bench press is even part of a UCL rehab. Uh, anyway. Uh, no, Kate, look, Casey Mize, he's filled out. Uh, he looks really strong. I have no much, no idea how much he weighs. Uh, for all I know, everyone on Earth is 6'3", 215, it seems like. Um, but my, uh, he's, he's filled out, you know, when he was drafted, he was, he was still a maturing guy. He was, he was low key, a little bit doughy. Now he's, he's got the beard and he looks real strong. He looks good physically. So I, I think there's kind of all there is to it. I don't know what the numbers are. Um, don't ever believe like what you see players listed at on MLB.com. MLB does a terrible job of like updating players weights. Uh, I don't know what it says. Miguel Cabrera weighs probably like two thirty or something. Uh, it's often like never updated after a guy is drafted. So anyway, it's not a bad thing. Uh, I, I doubt he weighs 240. That would seem like a lot. 
But to me, Casey Mize looks to be in really good physical shape right now. I'm looking it up right now, so bear with me for a second. On MLB.com. Oh, well, I think your point is largely true. But they did have Miguel Cabrera listed at 267. So they updated him. Oh, wow. They, okay. they they updated Miguel Cabrera a little bit, which by the, and also okay. for whatever it's worth, Casey Mize in May turned twenty six. Who has a better he, physique, Miguel Cabrera or Donald Trump? Hmm, that's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, I respect the fact that we can just like make up whatever weight we want, and then we can just say it, and it can be official in whatever capacity we want it to be. Uh, in to remember, Donald Trump was like what two thirty five or his like first White House physical, and so he's lost like twenty pounds, right? So good for him, you know. <laughs> Just kidding. Hope no one takes that too seriously. So Casey Mize is still very much in a body development time of his life, is what my main point is. Like having just turned twenty six, uh, everyone can think back to when they were twenty six. You, I'm assuming you weren't the same weight in whatever fashion, you, good or bad, you were at 26 that you were at 30. He's entering into his physical prime. So it, if he were to fill out, that wouldn't be like alarming in and of itself. But again, it was just like a kind of, it didn't have to be put out there, but it was put out there. So it's worth talking about. And you know, I think maybe if I were to speculate why Dan put out there like 20 pounds, 15 pounds, whatever of strength, it's probably because like obviously pitching is such a fluid activity that you can't be tight, right? Just by the very nature yeah. of it. So it's like, well, he's not curling, you know, this many pounds now because that's obviously not going to like directly facilitate. You got you to gotta be a little bit of a rubber band, right? That's exactly how he... How, how the motion works so it, again weird week weird updates that was definitely one of them but the larger thing cody here you wrote about this actually on the athletic if you're an athletic subscriber you can read this and it was fascinating to me with the shohei situation we just got the bryce harper situation we've lived through the jake rogers coming back from tommy john I've talked about how the the high school that I went to, like the first like big athlete was Taylor Teagarden, who had Tommy John while he was uh, a developing major league player. Is there an increase in Akil Badu's on the team right now, but he didn't go through it while he was with the Tigers, but he's a Tommy John, you know, he's on the other end of the Tommy John surgery. The Tommy John situation are we getting more of it by non-pitchers i know shohei's a pitcher obviously uh and but i feel like we're seeing more examples of guys that are are going through this process that are not pitchers and then also coming back and playing but DHing like harper like otani is right now his situation do you get the surgery do you not get the surgery impending free agent what's going to happen there i know this is not specific to the tigers but i feel like this is a very interesting the state of baseball question like i i feel like we're hearing more examples of position players having tommy john and then coming back and now with the d universal dh you can play but you're not a whole player 
and I think some people might also like maybe like a bio biology lesson about how like especially if you're a right-handed thrower and you're a lefty batter like how can you really come back after arm surgery that soon comparatively and still be able to to hit to be able to rake and all that stuff I thought I thought it was pretty fascinating yeah, I mean, I, th- I definitely think we're seeing more position players undergo Tommy John surgery. I don't exactly know what the figure is there, the the number, the percentage. Uh, but I think that's also one reason I wrote about it. It's been studied less than, than the pitchers who get it. You know, there's a ton of data and research about pitchers and not as much for position players. In some ways, because it's definitely not as arduous of a rehab, you can get back to hitting within about six months and not everyone's the same, but talking to, talking to several of these guys, looking at other cases, it generally sounds like, you know, once you're able to move and fully extend your arm, you're able to hit pain-free. You're able to be yourself. Uh, working up to throwing in the field, you know, takes a little bit longer, but it's it's nothing like uh, being a pitcher. Now, Paul Molitor was one of the first position players to undergo Tommy John surgery. You know, it seems like it slowly increased, and now you're seeing – some of the bigger names in the sport, Shohei Otani, Bryce Harper, Trevor Story, uh, Salvador Perez has had it. You know, now you're seeing it like there, there are some big time position players undergoing Tommy John surgery. That leads to a whole other conversation that no one has figured out the answer to. Is that because of sports specialization or how much they threw when they were young or something else to do with arm care? Or is, uh, I think it is personally. I can't prove it. That's my hunch. Uh, you know, was it possible more position players just toughed out having a torn UCL back in the day? I mean, probably so, but now it's like, okay, if you could fix your arm, why wouldn't you do it? Um, and now that we have a universal DH, like, I think it'll probably become even more common because Bryce Harper has just showed everyone, Hey, you can miss almost no time and you can DH for a full season. If, if, you know, you're that good of an offensive player. Uh, Shohei Otani has literally already done it before and now faces the prospect of potentially doing it again. Um, and it'll be fascinating to see if he does elect Tommy John surgery, how that goes, given it will be his second uh, TJ. Generally comes with the longer, even more cautious recovery. How does hitting play into that? Uh, that's kind of a case study in itself. Now, talking to some of these guys, the point that arose was basically if you are a left-handed thrower and a right-handed batter, you might be able to come back even more quickly as a hitter. So Bryce Harper, left-handed thrower, or right-handed thrower, left-handed batter. Shohei Otani, right-handed thrower, left-handed batter. Uh, former Tiger Cody Clemens, who went through this in college, um, right-handed thrower, left-handed batter. And I actually didn't even think of this until multiple players started mentioning it. Akil Badu mentioned it, and Akil is lefty-lefty. He basically said, you know, if your your right arm is going to be your trail arm, that's kind of where you're you're getting more impact when you're hitting. You're stressing the elbow a little bit more. Um, but if the arm you undergo surgery on is your bottom arm, your lead arm when you're hitting, um, basically you're you're just not going to feel as much. So that's kind of an interesting point when you look at some of these guys who have had it. Uh, that's that's a thing that stands out. I don't know. if I explained that well in podcast form, but uh, there's there's a story that talks about it a little more on the athletic. Well, there's a couple things uh, I, in regards to specialization, I think guys like Casey Mize who came up in warmer climates, therefore you're pitching more. I think that's or or at least throwing more. I think that's that's part of it. 
uh, Kiel Badu from Georgia, correct? So, like, he was probably playing a lot of baseball year-round and all that stuff. So, again, anecdotally, I kind of believe it. I don't necessarily have the data to back it up. And in regards to the Shohei conversation, because we had kind of speculated last season, like, just get the surgery because your chances of, like, re-injuring it are, you know, way lesser and then you're just kind of good. It's kind of like what we were talking about last year when we were saying just like, hey, Casey, if it's a problem, just go. Uh, I don't know if we need to amend that, but the Otani thing at least gives you some pause. And again, with the conversation with Casey Mize, where it's like, make sure everything's right. Because I think we as sports fans, sports followers, sports journalists, sometimes we get a little bit, I think we're guilty of just like assuming like, oh yeah, the ACL tear, it's going to be fine once you get it. The the Tommy John, it's going to be fine once you get it. The Achilles tear, you, you'll be able to recover. And that's not always the case. So maybe this kind of plays into Casey being like a little cautious if he's just feeling like a little fatigue or whatever, you know, and, and just trying to get it right. Because I think the Otani situation, look, he's still going to get his bag. He's still going to be a great player. Uh, but he might not be a two-way player. We don't know. Like That stuff's kind of like up in the air. But... I, I think maybe we're a little guilty of assuming this stuff is automatic, and I have to assume that, again, I talked about Casey Mize being a smart guy. I have to assume that's kind of part of it, especially when his surgery was delayed, but that's – yeah, we talked about that earlier. Or whatever. Yeah, I don't know that I have it somewhere to add. Uh, the arm remains a great mystery, and it's it's perplexing that we, we talk and we study and we know more about it than ever, and yet we actually have no solutions on how to um, – not just pitchers, keep players in general healthy. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, definitely as fluid. Uh, you know, science is fluid by the very nature of it, right? And performance science is no different. Uh, all right, Cody. I wanted to go to this, and you wrote about it this week on The Athletic, and we can't not talk about it because I think it's it's as important, it's as cool, and it's as heart-filling as any story you've written this season, I would say. And it had nothing to do with the Tigers. But once again, you wrote about Hamtramck Stadium. And that's something that, like, that's like an automatic click for me. Like, anything regarding that situation, I want to know as much as I can about it because, I'll be honest, like, I'm a sucker for history, I'm a sucker for remembering history, and I'm a sucker for community. And Hamtramck is all of those things. And so you, this is more or less like the next chapter, and you'll you'll write about it again. So like, be tuned for that. Stay tuned for that. Whenever that happens, there will be an update on whatever the next iteration of Hamtramck. But you wrote about it this week, and and it was. Again, like a big community part of it. You kind of talked about like the history of these guys that kind of decided to build this from the ground up in a way in terms of the revitalization of the stadium and how they came from Tiger Stadium. And it was as wholesome a Detroit baseball story as you will get. So 
Um, so I guess, I guess I'm curious, how'd you get wind that this, this was a good time to kind of give an update on, on this project, knowing that there's no finality to it. You're not writing a story with any finality, but there's still a story to be told there. Yeah. You know, I think as a journalist, you always have some stories tucked away in your back pocket and it's just kind of a matter of getting to them. Um, I had known about the, the Hamtramck stadium grounds crew, really since I, I started writing about Hamtramck Stadium in 2019. Um, not going to go into the full background on this pod because it would take forever, but if you're not familiar with the situation, uh, if you Google Hamtramck Stadium, the athletic, you'll, you'll find a couple stories. The discovery and renovation of the former home of the Detroit Stars is an incredible story, a, a really American tale. Um, and one of the legs of that is there's volunteer grounds crew, all right? It's, it's four guys who um, have made this playing field really, really nice, descended from the Naven Field grounds crew that once upkept the, the old site of Tiger Stadium uh, when it was becoming overrun. Community volunteers who do this kind of out of the goodness of their hearts uh, because they feel it's important. Um, they don't have to be doing this, but they are doing it. They, they put a ton of time and energy and passion into it and over time they've also become really good despite having no actual um background and like landscaping or expertise uh th this field at Amtramic stadium is really really nice it's nicer than uh, i think any infield i ever played on maybe not quite major league standard but i think the the playing surface itself uh equivalent to i would say a minor league park or a division one college like it's, it's really well done um so I just thought it was an important story to tell. Um, just had some time where I was finally able to go out there and talk to these these fine men and, and write the story and provide a little more history and an update on what's going on with the stadium. I think one of the things people want to know, you know, would there ever be a major league game at Hamtramck Stadium? They're doing it at Rickwood Field in Birmingham, Alabama next year. It's part of honoring the Negro League, some of MLB's efforts. If that were to ever happen at Hamtramck, it's going to be a ways away. Um, as nice of a job as they've done with the grandstand and the field, there's a lot of infrastructure stuff that still has to be done, concessions, bathrooms, lights. It's also in kind of a very small plot of land. Like, I have no idea where people would park. It wouldn't be anywhere near the actual stadium. Uh, so I think, I think the organizers of that group would like to start with maybe a minor league game or a, a, a D1 college game. And several years down the road, if, if improvements continue to happen, maybe the idea of a major league game could be revisited. Uh, it's something, certainly something I would, I would love to see one day and hope that it can be accomplished in due time. But how far the stadium has already come, it's, it's, um, it's truly incredible. It's incredible, and it's a reminder of like what the power of people can be. Like, yeah. I think sometimes we get bo we, we get bogged down and you know depending on what your political persuasion is you have some version of the system is working against whatever your interest is and here's an example of people who just kind of kind of took the power into their own hands and and, and just kind of figured it out like we we, we we I respect somebody that just has no idea what they're doing but they figured it out they yeah. figured out they they wanted to do this and then they figured out a way to do it and uh, I and I'm I'm glad that their efforts are being highlighted because they come from various walks of life 
and it's kind of inspiring. It's inspiring. Like I'd like to be able to do something that would have that kind of impact, you know. And to be, yeah. so to be able to talk to them, I think is pretty cool. They deserve their flowers. We get flowers on this podcast. They deserve their flowers. Yeah, no doubt about that. That's what that's what's always struck me about this story from uh, Gary Gillette and his group. You know, fighting for this stadium to a be saved and then b be renovated. And now turning into what it is, it's a group of people from the the friends of Historic Hamtramck Stadium to the grounds crew who have done all this just because they personally feel it's important. And there's not a lot of stake in it for them. They're not really making money off this. They're not really – they just view preserving history and preserving an element of the community as as important. They've done a great job getting – um, the community involved, having youth clinics out on the field for, for kids from Detroit. Um, Joyce Thompson Stearns and Rosalind Stearns Brown are, are the daughters of Turkey Stearns, and they are highly involved in the project. Um, I think that's brought a greater awareness to Turkey Stearns and to the history of the Detroit Stars and the history of the Negro Leagues, and none of it wouldn't have happened without a small group of people who said, you know, we can't tear this thing down. Um, and who, who worked hard to fight and save uh, really just out of the goodness of their hearts and out of a personal mission of, of doing something that they think matters. Uh, I think in the world of uh, TikTok and X and all this, you know, it's like some of, some of the stuff that really matters is a lot more subtle and it's maybe not going to get the attention all the time. Um, some of the most overlooked things are, are where you really find heart and you really find, um, value that can last and uh, I, I certainly find that anytime i go to hamtramck stadium or write about hamtramck stadium yeah and as an aside like if you're ever in kansas city you got to go to the negro league museum um they do a great job of of promoting the legacy of the negro leagues and and Turkey Stearns is definitely a part of that. Like, if anyone watches us on YouTube, you see I got a Detroit Stars jersey in the background. That's not an accident. Like, I I want that as a part of, like, the, the homage to, like, my collection of things, you know. And, and I think that the individual players, I can't speak for the organization, individual players for the Tigers ha- have done things over the years to – to help further the cause and, and, and be involved and all that stuff is tremendously valuable and there's a lot of beauty in the fact that it's come this far and there's still more to come and you don't get to say that about a lot of things especially things that are old things that in this country are the result of racism discrimination like mm-hmm. all this stuff like that that made it that the the reason it existed in the first place so uh there's a lot of beauty in that for me and and again like i'm a history nerd and and all that stuff so i'll 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 read every word of every story you ever write <laughs> about ham trimming uh all right cody uh, a lot of big picture topics i think we ended on a nice note there anything else you want to kind of get into before we jet out no, I think we're good for now. All right. Well, I, I think this will be a theme. I think we're going to try to come up with some big picture podcasts uh, to finish the season and anything interesting that happens, uh, like winning a game on a air to first base. You know, like that that was interesting. It would have made a it would have made a lot more interesting if they would have won the series, but they didn't. But that's okay. 
we're focused on the big picture with the organization in 2024, which is why we spent 30 minutes talking about Colt Keith and Justin Henry. Moore. So, uh, I enjoyed it, Cody. I hope everybody listening enjoyed it. Subscribing on Apple and Spotify on YouTube, turn the corner podcast and subscribing to the athletic to read some of these big picture stories that you're producing that, uh, even though you're not a day to day tigers beat writer, you're writing things that, are quite prevalent to the Tigers and anything that happens that's big, you're, you know, giant the spot over there. So uh, definitely value your reporting on all of these topics.